0: You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And uh, today, uh, before I begin, I want to remind you that there is a website associated with this particular podcast called WealthFormula.com. And in addition to just having some general information and resources there, it's also the place you go if you want to sign up for some of our groups, such as our accredited investor club, or also if you're interested in our private community, which is Wealth Formula Network. You can go to wealthformularoadmap.com for that. That's a course, and then it leads into this network. So, anyway, just uh, just a reminder for you: to check that out. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about cryptocurrency, and we're going to talk a little bit about the state of that world, and, uh, and you know, especially given what's been going on as of late. The markets have sort of recovered a tiny bit, but the digital, you know, the digital currency took a beating in the last several months. It was wounded pretty badly. And paradoxically, I think what's interesting is that the undoing of the decentralized world, right? I mean, in theory, that's what blockchain and cryptocurrency are. It's the decentralized world were at the hands of centralized figures whether that be Do Kwon of Terra Luna Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX these platforms ultimately because of greed and you know perhaps some um, simple also you know just incompetence or whatever resulted in billions of dollars being lost by investors a uh, big deal no one was immune either i mean this wasn't just a retail problem Uh, There were companies that were, I think, of high quality and with good people in them like BlockFi that ended up declaring bankruptcy. And others, even like uh, the likes of Grayscale Bitcoin Trust are on the brink of insolvency now because of basically the breakdown and the ripple effects of what happened with cryptocurrency in the last few months. Now, digital currency has never been a favorite of the SEC. This is an institution with a deep distaste uh, for the wild decentralized west because it represents a very difficult animal to tame, right? And the IRS also wants to dig its claws into digital currency. Why? Well, there is a lot of money not being reported by people who've uh held cryptocurrency. I've, you know, I've heard about people who've had, you know, millions of dollars in cryptocurrency and have never reported. It's uh, it's pretty mind-boggling that people would take that kind of risk. Of course, the IRS also has a major challenge, which I don't think is as easy to overcome as some people might think, but they have a huge challenge because it's very difficult to try to figure out who's misreporting. Bottom line is that the climate is right for some serious changes to the law involving digital currencies. Whenever there is some kind of a collapse or people lose a lot of money, It gives opportunities for institutions like the IRS and the SEC to dig their claws in uh, with regulation. And I anticipate that that's, you know, we're going to see more and more of that. And to discuss all of this, discuss the state of cryptocurrency and all the regulatory issues around it that may be seen, I have an expert uh, in this field. She's a tax attorney who's very much involved in regulations and that sort of thing on cryptocurrency. So if you are curious of what might happen next in this world of blockchain, we will have this great conversation for you right after these messages. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is Andy Kramer. Andy Kramer is a global authority on regulatory tax, commercial governance matters that arise in trading environments and in digital asset transactions. She is sort of the, um, you know, she is the person to go to if you have a question about cryptocurrency and the law right now. She is an attorney, went to my medical school alma mater, although she was in the law school, which I used to get kicked out of the library all the time. She also has a certifications of financial accounting from Harvard Business School uh, and leading with finance also from Harvard Business School. Andy, welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
0: So um, I want to start out kind of, you know, obviously, we can get into taxes and all that stuff later on. But, you know, it's been kind of a rough ride for cryptocurrency digital assets in the last several months. And I just wanted, you know, for people who are really kind of hearing things in the news a little bit, but don't really understand the implications, would you mind kind of giving your perspective of sort of You know, the meltdown and sort of a summary of the meltdown that occurred.
1: Well, that's a a tall order book, but I'll I'll, um, try to do it in bite sized pieces. How's that? Perfect. Um, What what happened is um, if we compare 2022, the end of 2022, to the end of 2020. It, 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 the markets are still ahead of where they were previously but in 20 in 2022 the market had been maybe it was a bubble who knows but we started to have problems when um first terra which was one of the stable coins fell apart uh and it brought down with it a number of other companies or at least um it's um uh, demise is attributed to um, problems that other uh, companies in the cryptocurrency space have had last year. And so it was almost as if there was the proverbial run on the bank where one company goes down and then um, the customers of the next one are looking at it and saying, holy smokes, I really probably got to get my money out of here. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so it sort of became a domino effect where um, it went from one to the next to the next, um, referred to as contagion. And what we what we saw at the end of the year was a lot of people who had invested when the expectation was that the market was going to go to the moon forever, um, found that they were now um, uh, forced to either sell their positions or their positions were liquidated out from underneath them. And so as the market has been improving the beginning of this year, we've already seen just the last week, the market's gone up almost 20% uh, for many of the uh, popular uh, coins and uh, tokens. Um, But for the people who were driven out of the market last year, they're still out of the market. They're not going to be able to, they have losses that they're not going to be able to just hold it and wait till the market goes up. And so one of the issues we have is who's still in the market. And I can tell you that there are a lot of Um, uh, investment funds and venture capital funds and others that are still um, very interested in and still act in the market.
0: If we can back up real quick, the big, you know, probably it's important to kind of talk about FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried and and what exactly happened there and what the implications for the crypto uh, sphere was for that.
1: Well, if we look at FTX and its um, bankruptcy, there's a lot of arguments that can be made that that is is an exception to the rule because when the company was uh, filed for bankruptcy, the new CEO that was appointed uh, for the bank for the bankruptcy proceeding is a man who had put taken Enron out of bankruptcy, and. He his first filing with the bankruptcy court was basically I've never seen anything that has been at su- such a mess as this, and so the reports are, and I have no, um, you know, direct information other than the what we're all hearing in the in the press, but the reports are that either they were they were not they sort of essentially
0: were they were they were using customer funds. To uh, to invest or to lend to other businesses, is that right?
1: And to themselves. And
0: to themselves.
1: And th- it was to themselves first uh-huh. through another one of their entities. They had a, um, uh, a related entity. And so customers thought that their money was secure, their tokens were secure, um, and find out that they're gone. It's as if they went poof. And so, uh, another sort of piece about that, though, is I, is, is I was trying to, to, to explain, and I wasn't very artful, is the fact that there may have been fraud involved in those yeah. situations. That's a different kind of a situation than the market itself. That's right. has serious problems. Right.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I, I guess they're to me. It seems like they're kind of part and parcel, right? I mean, now. Um, There's a lot of fallout from FTX um, and because of, uh, you know, some of the involvement of other major cryptocurrency oriented institutions, uh, you know, for example, um, you know, I think the latest I'm hearing is some potential solvency issues with regard to the Bitcoin um, trust, the GBTC Uh, trust that allows people to trade effectively in a trust uh, Bitcoin on the, on the uh, New York stock exchange. So could you, could you talk about how that happens because of FTX? Like what, what, what I'm trying to get at is what are these ripple effects? How, how come there's so many ripple effects from that?
1: Well, what we see is that when the market is not predictable, the, the, Talk had been for years that somehow the crypto market moved opposite to the, to the um to the stock market. Right. But when the stock market took a hit in 2022, the crypto market followed along with it. So that they weren't um uh asset classes that were um distinct from each other. Um in in your reference to these Bitcoin trusts, what happens is that the market price vary so quickly, but the investors in these trusts are not buying Bitcoin directly. They're buying an investment in a vehicle that holds Bitcoin. And in fact, a number of those trusts have actually been trading below the value of bitcoin itself so that people might look at it and say well maybe that's time to you know make an investment but it you have all sorts of other expenses because you're not just holding the bitcoin directly and so your share you're, it's a pooled investment and um, what we see is that those kinds of um, investment vehicles are distorting the prices they also very often have a need to buy futures contracts. Many of them are uh, invest in futures contracts and they have to buy futures contracts for the closest month to try to make it as close to a um, a, a physical uh, position. And so there's all sorts of distortions in the markets themselves. Mm -hmm. So what's happened is people are concerned about the market, um, concerned about the the 9,000 different kinds of cryptocurrencies and tokens that our, our um, prices are reported on. Uh, and so everybody that was sort of chasing the next big deal are now afraid that could it be another FTX situation? Could it be that there could be fraud, or that there could be a self-dealing, or other things that that obviously hurt regular investors?
0: The irony of this whole thing, in my view, is that the the uh, fraud that occurred occurred in a centralized, you know, a centralized uh, company in FTX, and essentially took down, you know, the the entire decentralized world. Um, and I guess that kind of gets me to talking about regulations, which is, you know, something obviously, you know, a fair amount about what do you, what do you expect the fallout for, uh, from this to be? Because obviously it's a big deal. There's a lot of money lost. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of companies that went out of, uh, business, even quality companies like BlockFi was, uh, uh you know, filing for bankruptcy and there's got to be some sort of legislative fallout from this and do you think that that's correct?
1: Yeah absolutely. Um the way that the the um the regulatory world that applies to crypto's been pretty unclear and the reason for that is that the Securities and Exchange Commission has the ability to regulate securities and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission has the ability to regulate interest in commodities. And so what are cryptocurrencies? What is what is Bitcoin? What is Ethereum? What is um, uh, Avalanche? You know, pick your, pick your one of 9,000. And so the SEC has been very vocal saying that Bitcoin might be a commodity and that could be subject to the CFTC's jurisdiction but they're not prepared to say that any other one is anything other than a security. And so what does that mean? Well, what that means is that if you're buying and selling these tokens, mostly tokens on um, uh, various sorts of digital tokens, um, have you registered with the SEC to be an issuer of these tokens? No, people have not done that, yeah. and so it throws into um, you know throws into question the whole validity of the market. If the SEC is going to be able to say this is a security and you violated the securities laws by not registering as uh, issuance of securities, and they just recently um, uh, went are going after the. Uh, CEO of Genesis, which is one of the crypto lending firms, mm-hmm. where people thought that they were putting their crypto and just letting um, Genesis lend the crypto to somebody else, and they get a big return. Yeah, but it turns out that if they carefully read the documents, their crypto was being pulled with everybody else's crypto. So now it's more like an investment vehicle and so the sec has gone after the ceo saying uh you issued um uh, unregistered securities
0: right right so all of the things that you're saying though are are kind of you know they're not actually terribly new right i mean this issue has been of securities um you know has come up over and over again um, you know, XRP, Ripple um, has been on a lawsuit for a long time, right? Um, and I, I don't know if that's resolved itself yet or not. But uh, do you feel like there's an acceleration of that coming? Or what, what do you anticipate the actual, you know, uh, true um, repercussions of, of what's going to happen next in, in the near future to be?
1: Well, I think that one of the key things is, who's gonna be on first base for, the, for being the regulator? And there were some bills introduced last year and some talk that the CFTC would be the primary regulator of various cryptocurrencies. And the SEC, which is a much bigger uh, agency and has a lot more um, uh, resources behind it, uh, digging its heels in and saying, no, 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 it's, it's our job to regulate. And so I think that it's quite possible that we're going to see some legislation that's going to tell us if if anything happens in Washington in 2023, um, you know, that there may be some legislation that's going to have to clarify this.
0: Let's switch a little bit over to the topic of uh, cryptocurrency, taxation, that kind of thing. Um, One of the things that you would you were talking about was how the sec may um may try to um you know look at look at these um digital currencies as uh as securities does Mm -hmm. that in any way change how cryptocurrency would would be handled tax-wise because right now one of the major uh, benefits is that it's not really considered you know, portfolio income—it's like personal property, right? And so, right. Mm-hmm. cryptocurrency is not subject to the wash rules and things like that—that that are tremendous advantages. Does that potentially change uh, if if uh, there's uh, changes to the definition of cryptocurrency via the SEC?
1: Well, it turns out that all of the regulators have their own definitions. And so the SEC's definition of a security includes investment contracts and things where people are pooling or sharing yeah, or you yeah, know, yeah. the risk is spread out. The way that the tax code works is each internal revenue code section that addresses a security defines it and stock and securities is, is, our, our, is a term that goes throughout the Internal Revenue Code where stock is meant to be you know, shares in a company. And a security typically means debt instruments, yeah. borrowings. And so we don't have the same um, uh, broad definition of a security that there is in the securities laws in the tax world. Um, there were some efforts to amend the wash sale rules to include digital assets as assets that would be, so instead of it would be expanding it, not saying that they're securities, but saying, oh, by the way, we're going to stick those in as well.
0: Meaning that there was an attempt to to make them subject to wash rules. Yeah. Obviously, that would. But be not, a
1: But not by calling them securities, by saying that digital assets would also be subject to the wash sale rules. That didn't go anyplace. But that that was the the way of of approaching it. And so, I would answer your question by saying that just because the SEC says something is a security, does not mean that that would become a security for tax law purposes. Got it.
0: Now you, um, you work, do you work with individual, uh, in taxes as well, or do you work primarily with, you know, in policy and institutions and things like that?
1: Uh, I work with, um, uh, individuals as well. Got it. Um, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, not an accountant, so I don't fill out tax returns, right. but right. when the going gets tough, then the accountants and the individuals want to got know it. What the yeah. Then they need you.
0: Right. So uh-huh. let's, let's talk a little bit about tax law. What do you, uh, what do you think that people holding cryptocurrency now uh, need to know? What are some of the essential things that you need to understand if you're going to own this stuff and um, you know, and, and, and report your taxes appropriately?
1: Okay. Well, The IRS has gotten really cranky about the fact that the press talks about how there's, you know, millions and millions of people who own cryptocurrency and, you know, 11 people reported it as um, as assets on their tax returns in the, the, let's say 2018. 2019 was the first year that the IRS put a question on the tax return about cryptocurrency. And each year they've moved the question closer to closer to the front so that right now, if you're doing a 1040 individual tax return, right after your name, rank and serial number, basically, is a question about whether you have in 2021, the question was whether you held any virtual currency and the draft um, uh, tax returns for 2022 are out and the draft instructions for 2022 are out. We don't know whether the IRS is gonna change them between now and um, when returns are due in April. Uh, But right now they have changed it to a digital asset definition and they've made it much, much broader so that whether all taxpayers, whether they've held cryptocurrency or not in 2022, are specifically asked a question on the very top of the first page which is do you did you have any of these types of transactions in digital assets in 2022 and you have to either check yes or you check no
0: and, and and that's kind of a big deal right because you can't lying there is kind of is is a big problem
1: lying is always a big problem but by submitting your tax return under penalties of perjury, if you check the wrong box, um, if they can determine that you did that intentionally, uh, that could be criminal tax fraud. That's, you know, that's not a pretty picture.
0: Yeah, and and it's interesting because, you know, I actually, I mean, not me, but, uh, you know, I, I know of people who hold, who've been in the Bitcoin game for a long time and they have really just, been in the shadows and they do not want to report anything and everything that's happening is completely decentralized and stuff and you know in talking to people like that i've i i always ask them like you know how how do you point well you know aren't you worried about like going to jail like i would be worried about going to jail and um they generally say well how are they ever going to figure it out because i'm just i'm using decentralized platforms i'm holding everything in cold storage and moving only to, um, you know, only using, uh, these, uh, these swaps, you know, these digital swaps that are not involved with central platforms. Uh, how do you, how do you anticipate that that could be tracked by the IRS?
1: Well, I, I would ask a question back to the people who are taking that position, which is when, Cryptocurrency has been stolen or um, ransomware. Mm-hmm. How is it that within a few weeks or whatever, there's a news report that the that the Department of Justice has seized back, you know, eighty percent of the of the of the of the coins that had been used in ransomware or had been stolen. People think that the market is a anonymous market, but it's not. And there are very, very sophisticated tracking systems that companies use that can actually tell you, they don't know your name, but they know what accounts are related to get together and where they go. And the IRS is using that kind of information to keep track of people who are investing in holding um, cryptocurrency. And so I would think that the, tax um the tax world is not um as as opaque and easy to to scam as people think it is and i would be very concerned that uh somebody could find themselves with serious criminal tax fraud yeah, yeah. by not keeping um you know by not properly reporting that that leads us to another point though buck which is what is proper reporting yeah example, the IRS takes the position that mining, when you get, um, uh, you know, when you, when you get new crypto from a mining activity, that your mining is taxable when you receive it. Well,
0: wait a second. So it's taxable when you receive it. Is it not? So what's the, is the price? Okay. So you're saying as soon as it's produced, whatever price it is at that point, it's taxable at that Exactly. Exactly.
1: So let's assume that you were doing some mining at the beginning of 2022 and you have a $400 million gain because you are very successful and you, you know, and then by the end of the year, it's not worth $400 million. It's worth $10. Technically, as far as the IRS is concerned, you have taxable income of four hundred million dollars.
0: Interesting. So, for those who are mining, the smart thing really to do is immediately convert, you know, into into U.S. dollars. Um, and then, you know, if you want to, if you want to buy cryptocurrency, if you want to buy Bitcoin or whatever, after that, then you know, go ahead and buy it. You're not going to have, um, you know, At your own risk. At least you got the cash. At least right, you got right, cash. Right. right. Yeah, right. Makes exactly. Makes good sense. Um, yeah. What, what other things that we should we be aware of?
1: Well, staking is another type of yeah. um, uh, proof of staking instead of, you know, proof of work and the staking side, the IRS takes the position that staking is um, uh, taxable at the point that you, um, you know, you know, Receive it, if you will. Are those considered
0: um, like, kind of considered like dividends or, or how are those looked at?
1: Well, they're treating it as ordinary income.
0: Oh, okay. As income, yeah. Because
1: you're, as if you've earned, you know, earned income that you've earned it. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of differences of opinion about whether some of the IRS's positions are correct. So let's go back to that 2022 tax return for a minute. I have to check a box, which asks if I did any mining, staking, if I had any NFTs, things like that. I have to check the box, yes, assuming that that's true. But now, does that mean that I have to report them on my tax return? I may take the position with proper advice from somebody who knows what they're talking about, you know, a, a trusted advisor. Um, that maybe it's not taxable. So I may be checking the box saying I have these transactions, but then not reporting them because I believe that it's not legitimately believe that I'm taking a position that it's not taxable. And so that's an open question as to what do you do in those situations? And those issues also apply to crypto lending because is a lot. Most of the lending platforms have um, uh, marketing materials which say this is just like a loan, and it's you don't pay tax on a loan when you lend money, but the tax law treats lending money as a loan, but transferring property is not necessarily within the definition of a loan. And so we have situations where it's very important to figure out if your crypto loan is really a loan for tax purposes or whether you've sold it and then bought it back afterwards. Oh,
0: interesting. And
1: with very different tax results.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where, what are some of the things that, um, that come up most often in your practice with, with people who are uh, you know, who've got significant cryptocurrency uh, holdings?
1: Well, people who have significant holdings that are appreciated are very interested in making charitable contributions where they can then get a charitable contribution equal to the value of what they're donating. Mm -hmm. And so basically they don't have to pay tax on the appreciation, but they can get a big deduction. And so there are a lot of, uh, I work a lot with both donors and charities about cryptocurrency donations. Mm -hmm. Um, A market that we've not talked about, which is uh, an interesting crypto um, digital asset piece of the world, is the non-fungible token market, the NFTs. And um, work with a lot of creators and, 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 and companies that are, Um, creating NFTs for purposes of brand recognition and things along those lines. But a lot of it is tax questions like, do I have to pay tax on that $400 million that I have in my (laughs) staking or my this or that? Um, And uh, the answer varies. It's not always going to be the same answer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do you see, um, are there any any laws uh, that are, different uh, for 2023 than they were for 2022 um, that we should be aware of?
1: Well, there was a reporting rule that um, I believe the IRS just um, extended. It was going to kick in at the beginning of 2023. So um, we have an extension. Uh, One interesting thing that just happened is that the IRS, um, um, the Office of Chief Counsel is is the IRS's lawyers internal, they're they're in-house lawyers, if you will. And um, they just came out with a um, memorandum last week, which says that if you're making a donation of more than $5,000 of a cryptocurrency, you must have a qualified appraisal. And that's what the rules have said, but a lot of people assumed that that was not necessary Primarily because you could look on Coinbase, you could right. look on on um, you know you could have looked on FTX, before, you know,
0: yeah.
1: all sorts of other places, uh-huh. and come up with what's the value for that moment in time. But the um, um, the IRS um, memo that just came out last week says if you don't have a qualified appraisal, then you cannot get a donation wow. deduction. And the definition of a qualified appraisal requires somebody who has two years of experience in valuing these assets, and all sorts of things that make it very difficult for qualified appraisals to exist.
0: Wow.
1: so they're really making they're making it difficult that one down. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, very fascinating stuff here, Andy. Uh, if, uh, t- tell us a little bit about a little bit more about your practice, what kind of, um, you know, what, what kind of clients you have and, and how to get in touch with you?
1: Well, effective January 1st, I started my own law firm. So I left a big firm, uh, where I'd been for 30 years and I now have a S Kramer law and, uh, the website just went up last week and um Is it as
0: Kramerlaw.com? Um,
1: as Kramer right
0: A.S. Kramer Very good.
1: AS Law. And it's K-R-A-M-E-R. Okay. Law. Got it. And so um I uh, I work with people, individuals and businesses that are trying to solve really complex problems in the markets. Um regulation, tax. Um, energy products, renewables, um, ESG issues, and so um, uh, I'm not um, I'm not the garden variety um, uh, wills and trusts uh, type lawyer, uh, but um, I do work with venture funds, multi multinational corporations, and basically I'm doing the same type of work now that I did. At the big firm, it's just that I'm doing it in a, in a, on a separate, you know, for my, in my own practice where I feel that I can devote more, meet my clients needs as well as right. play to my professional strengths. Right. So
0: great. Well, and fantastic. they can
1: reach me at Andy at Law. Got it.
0: Andy and it's A-N-D-I-E and at ASKramerLaw.com. Andy, thank you so much for being on Wealth Formula Podcast and giving us a little update on the crypto market and taxes.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciated talking with you.
0: We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. You know, I'll tell you, I I think that in the grand scheme of things, I think that cryptocurrency is going to be okay. You know, I think that the... Uh, reality is this is an extremely new space, right? If you think about it what Bitcoin started in 2009, I mean it's like 14 years old, this whole thing. And it's a very powerful technology. So I think it's going to come out just fine. And I think that it's just a matter of, you know, probably creating a little bit more regulation, uh, to protect investors and you know and, and purists in the blockchain space will argue that that's wrong and that's in the antithesis of what this whole thing is about maybe but the other the but the, the the problem is you also have to uh face the fact that people are you know they're they're bad actors in this area and there needs to be some regulations to try to protect investors to a certain degree um because of that, I think that, you know, one of the things to consider when you are potentially buying cryptocurrency is how you think that those particular projects will do if there's additional regulations. You know, I think, for example, uh, you know, I've, I've been uh, interested in Hedera uh, for a long time. I own a lot. Saw it go way up. Saw it would go down. But the thing I like about that project is they've always made sure that they dotted their I's, crossed their T's and would pass every test. And those types of things, I think, will help in the long run because that's the type of thing that corporations want. That's the kind of thing that governments want, et cetera. Anyway, that's my take on it. And that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off.
1: Thank you for listening
0: to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not facts. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.